0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Grind Season. I'm Jason Smith, one of your co-hosts here on the Grind Season podcast on Odyssey and co-host of the Jason John Midday Radio Show here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, you can hear that radio show on mid on weekdays from 11 to 2 on 92.9 FM ESPN. That's an Odyssey station as well. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Smith nine two nine very easy to find me. And this is uh as you know by now, my guy Anthony Sane, tribal chief of Grizz Twitter. Um, you ought to be following him at Sane Asylum. He's done it all in terms of covering the Grizzlies for the last ten years, brother. Sane, what's going on,
1: man? I'm good, my brother.
0: How you doing out there, man? Everything smooth with you? Everything good, man. Not gonna be able to get to the barber shop before Valentine's Day, so oh I'm man. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a must for us to be yeah. uh, chopped up tight on Valentine's Day. Yeah,
1: you got I, guess, the man,
0: I guess just a result of being married 13, 14 years, I can get away with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'm not, yeah, proud, yeah. Of it, I'm not proud of Day it,
1: Sam. I'm not proud of it. hit a little different for the married, man. You know what I mean? It so, doesn't hit the same.
0: Different. I guarantee you it doesn't hit the same anymore. But, uh, but I have high hopes for you and for our producer, Drew, as well on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. I have high hopes for you, gentlemen. Uh, I know what I'll be What's getting, up? which is a... Uh, uh, a lot of cold, a lot of ice. <laughs> anyway, first things first, you can hear us on Grind Season twice per week on the free Odyssey app wherever you, or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, including on Spotify. gets there very quickly. Just search for Grind Season. That's S-Z-N uh, when you do that search. And uh, like we said, do us a favor and uh, hit that subscribe button and, and subscribe. We appreciate those yeah. of you that have on this edition of Grind Season. Oh, by the way, the 29th episode of Grind Season. Grizzlies mm-hmm. have split a pair of games since we last talked on Thursday. First one of those was Minnesota. We called it a, a slick must-win game, uh, mm-hmm. uh, trailing in that season series 2-1, and the Grizzlies did. They take care of business, 128-107. They followed that win up with a loss at Boston. Probably, I mean, they were underdogs going into that game, obviously. They end up losing by 10. It was a close game there early in the fourth quarter, but the Grizzlies, again, without Steven Adams, for, what, 10 straight games now. Uh, end up getting clobbered on the offensive glass 14 to 3, lose that game 119 109. Uh, again, no, no, uh, no shame there in losing at Boston, which currently still has the best record in the NBA. Was you know was without Jalen Brown. You had uh just you had Jason Tatum going three of 16 for the floor. Was an off night for him and yet Boston still very comfortably uh partly because of the threes, 21 of them, and the way they were mm-hmm. able to dominate the Grizzlies inside on the boards, uh handle business. You know, one more game before the All-Star break now for the Grizzlies. That's Wednesday against Utah. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask Sane what his biggest concern is uh, going forward about this team. After, you know, essentially the first half of the year, what our biggest concern is going into the second half of the season. We'll save our first half uh, grades, player grades, coach grades, whatever, mm-hmm. for Thursday podcast. But I want to do a little bit of a look ahead with Sane on, in terms of things he's concerned about, the, the number one thing looking ahead to that second half of the season. Uh, segment two, we'll talk about GM Zach Kleiman's meeting uh, with with the uh, the local media on Friday. That was obviously yep. uh, set up to talk about uh, the uh, the Grizzlies' trade deadline acquisition of Luke Kennard, but also to field some questions, which he did. Zach Kleiman, not a big talker. Guy rarely comes out and uh, uh, talks to the media, but did answer some questions in terms of, the team's aggressiveness at the trade deadline. Not, he, at times it was, he's a little defensive, saying, "We'll get I, I want to. I'm, I'm eager mm-hmm. to hear what you uh, what you thought of what he said. Uh, mentioned but, some things the Grizzlies do not plan to do, like buyout market. We'll get into some of the other particulars, uh, and and especially that what what seemed like an aggressive aggressiveness at the trade deadline to get something bigger done than they did. And then finally, of course, the segment we do to start off every week in review of over the weekend. Who brought the seasoning? We'll discuss who's looked good and brought that that good seasoning to the to the to the pot of gumbo and in uh, other cases. Who's who's not played so well? Who needs to bring a little more or bring a little different seasoning? So that's the show. Uh, but like I said, we'll start here saying Grizzlies split, beat Minnesota, lose at Boston. You know the thing about it is three and seven without Stephen Adams, and yet you're still here, two games above the Sacramento. Sacramento Kings, mm-hmm. we almost sound like a broken record because that lead has stayed about right there right. over the last mm-hmm. few weeks, even despite the struggles. You know, they've been they've been hurt on the offensive glass without Stephen. We know at times the offense has slowed down. And clearly, um, th- just to set this up, what that initial three to five week timeline would put Stephen back. We're supposed to get an update on him this week, but you'd think would mm-hmm. put him back sometime soon after the All-Star break. Set Stephen Adams to the side. Saying because we know this team misses him. If you're talking about concerns, of course, getting Steven Adams back is a huge one. Set that to the side. What's the biggest thing for you for this team? When you look second half of the season, we're talking what 25 games by that point after they play Utah on Wednesday. What are you most mm-hmm. concerned about looking ahead in this new look, uh, new look west for the Grizzlies?
1: You said it. I've been the boy that cries wolf about this the entire season. You've already said you said exactly what it is the fact that we are just dependent on Steven Adams is mm. my biggest concern, period. And it's the reasons why we are, the, the, the reasons that we need guys that can simply put the ball in the basket. We need more three-point shooting. Uh, you address some of this at the trade deadline. When you went and got a guy like a Luke Kennard, who uh, you know, was one of two last night from three, uh, just a beautiful jump shot he has for sure. But um, that the fact that Steven Adams, who's a non-shooter, from anywhere, <laughs> like outside of laying the ball up at the basket, there's no other way Stephen Adams can score on the, on the court. In fact, he's a non shooter, um, bad free throw shooter, not the best defender in space, especially a guy like that. Who you're going to have to find ways to keep on the court during the playoffs. We saw him in the Minnesota series just flat out be useless, you know what I mean? In a Martin wow. NBA. Yeah, he yep. got to play out the court, and then he's a guy that you can't have on, you cannot have on the court in a close game in the final minutes of the game because teams are gonna start fouling him, and he's one of the worst free throw shooters, if not the worst in the entire NBA. Your team shouldn't function, shouldn't be required to function uh, so much depending on what he, whether he's out there or not. Um, like I said, getting a guy like um, Luke Kennard is a good step in the right direction. Uh, Bain's been shooting the ball well lately, but it's just so many. Um, So, you see so many deficiencies just because he's not on the court, and it just shouldn't be that way. You're talking about a guy who's a few years older than everyone else, he's now in this timeline, never was a guy that we thought would be, you know, part of the the long term goal. Um, that's really the major thing that concerns me about this team is that we have to be, because of other deficiencies we have, a guy like him has to be that important just because he creates so many offensive rebounds and creates those lanes for John Morant. When it's today's NBA, it shouldn't be. A seven-foot burly center that's creating the lane for your point guard. It should be that you're able to spread the court and knock down shots. So at least give off the impression um, that you're going to knock down shots. But like I said, I think that and a guy like Luke canard can help that. Especially, you can see that he he played a lot of minutes the other night. It felt like he did. I didn't check the box score, but it seems like he was out there a lot. We still saw some John Conchar minutes, but I think that they are going to you're going to get Luke going, and we'll see more of that. Uh, we're seeing some you know some lineups of that Jaron Jackson Jr. and Santi Aldama in them. Something the crowd, the fans have definitely been pulling for for a while. So I think all those things can kind of help that out. But it, it is quite discouraging to me <laughs> that Steven Adams means as much to this team.
0: Yeah, and, and you and and you touched on like the, the bigs behind him just aren't great NBA rebounders, whether yep. you yep. Jaron at a five or whether Xavier Tillman, God bless him you know, is limited yep. in, in what he can give you. That's why that it just makes it even more glaring. You know, that 14-3 against Boston on that offensive glass, it just stands out like a sore thumb. And as much as you're asking of guys, you know, behind Steven, as much as it's been next man up for the Grizzlies when some of these guards have been out, whether it's Jai or, or Bane, um, it's just so much harder to replace because you don't have guys that are just natural rebounders. And for whatever – and 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 I'll tell you this, thing, I I know, it does seem like at least the last few games. I know they tried it there for a minute. Like Taylor Jenkins is resigned to. I'm just going to bring Brandon Clark off the bench. You know, I know they mm-hmm. started at one point with him starting, but I, they've gone back to Xavier Tillman now next to Jaron without Stephen Adams. Hopefully, this is something we're not talking about much after the All Star break. But um, that has do you, is that the right way to play Brandon? Is just just not a deal where you can where he can be a starter when you need him. And yeah, I, don't,
1: in. I don't like what he's he has doing. Not worked out. Yeah, we've seen so many metrics where it shows that Jaron lineups with Jaron and Brandon are phenomenal. We've seen those metrics have been the same for three years now um, that we've got so much evidence that lineups with Jaron and Brandon have been great. I don't get the Tillman starts. I don't like it. I don't care whether he's playing good or bad. I just don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's, I don't want to see Xavier Tillman out there, man. Like he's, you they're trying to do like a great value Stephen Adams thing with him. Uh-huh. It's just not who he's not good enough for that. Like and you're trying to play the same way you play if Stevens out there, but using Tillman instead, and it just doesn't work, man. Just go Jaron, Jaron, and Clark. Jaron and Santi do something like that. Um, I think that would be a much better uh, starting lineup. But yeah. you know, we 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 look. I love the energy against Minnesota. I love the way we played against them. Uh, look like look like the Grizzlies. We we've grown to love this season. The Boston game, even though uh, we didn't get the outcome we wanted, I saw a lot of good things I liked in that game, how they played against Boston. Um Didn't know – what's the kid's name? Hauser? Hauser. Yeah, I saw him. In, I've seen him in a couple games. We didn't know Take he was – 11 good.
0: from three in that game.
1: You're talking about a shooter. That guy was knocking him down for sure. So, um, but, yeah, like, I'm I'm, I'm done with the Tillman stuff, man. I'm just – just get Steven back out there and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we can see Tillman go back to his towel-waving – uh, support role on the bench for, for
0: no, only two rebounds against the Celtics. He's just, man,
1: man I'm, I'm out. I'm out on Tillman, man. It's just, you know, even he's, he's had some bright moments during his time, but I just, just go Jaron and BC, man. Just throw those guys in the fire. I'd rather have your best players on the court. You know, I, I want to I can't touch, get you with
0: at all. touch on something that you mentioned that leads kind of into my, my concern. And, and, and mm-hmm. I could be right with you that their dependence on Steven Adams. It's just, uh, you know, it's, uh, their over-dependence on Steven Adams has certainly been one of those things you're most concerned about going forward. But you mentioned uh, the kid Houser going 6 of 11. Boston hit 21 threes in that game. And even in the game we talked about where Jason Tatum's going 3 of 16 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3. Houser's hitting 6 of them. Um, I'm looking at the bench guys. Um, uh, Mike Moscala hit 2. They also got 4 from Pritchard. But they shooters all up and down the lineup. It's just – it's so glaring that when you look at the Grizzlies, especially on that bench, you don't have anybody right now that you can trust. And and that, for me, is the concern, saying, obviously, S- Stephen Adams, you got to get him back, and this team's got to find out a way to start winning again without him on the floor and look like they did against Minnesota all the time. But right now, I don't know other than Brandon Clark, who I can trust off that bench. I'd like to put Santi in that group. Um, but so much, like, heck, he's basically a starter here, essentially, kind of, while Steven's down, but back to the point, what, what I thought would be, you know, early on this season when the Grizzlies got, once they got Bane back and, every, you know, Jaron was in there mm-hmm. and all that, we thought that the bench would be one of its strengths, that the bench might be one of the better ones in the league with Tyus Jones leading the way, Brandon Clark, super sub, uh, now Asante that's emerging in the second year. But right now they're getting next to nothing from it. And whether mm-hmm. it's Clark or, you know, Santi on a given night, that's fine but Tyus Jones has you know slow start to the season really heated up to a point we were giving him all the giving him all the sauce and all the love and deservedly so but he has cooled all the way off He's shooting 30 some percent from the floor uh 10% from 3 this month they just don't have anything coming from that bench and I re- again a lot of it's patchwork saying cuz they're trying to re- you know you're rotating guys to get in there for Steven but what I thought would be a strength for this team right now is a mess Hopefully the addition of Kennard, you know, as a backup shooting guard, like we talked about last week, kind of help solidify this thing, Tyus picks it up, you know what you're getting from Brandon, and they get back to, you know, looking like a bench that's an actual uh, asset yeah. rather than just a mess right now that you're hoping you can get something right. from. So, uh, and- I think those couple of things for me are, you know, looking at that second half of the season, man, trying to get some consistency with that bench rotation, yeah. uh, guys settling in is, is a must.
1: And you know, the elephant in the room, as far as the bench is concerned, is that Zaya Williams was supposed to be way better than this this year. We I didn't we, even mention we him. We had, You're absolutely right.
0: I didn't even mention him. You're right. Because yeah, you yeah, he's playing nothing. Yeah,
1: he's playing in the Memphis hustle right now. And we we had him at least penciled in that he would take some type of leap. And he had a he had a you know, he started off the rookie his rookie season being one of the worst players in the NBA. Like all the statistics said that guy should not be on the basketball court. He's the worst player in the league, but we saw him turning up. We saw him contribute. We saw him contribute in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yep. And um, we thought that, you know, with the summer, even with the injuries he had coming to the season, we figured he would come in and do something. Uh, he's been really bad this season to the point where he's, you know, not only not in the rotation, but he's not even on the main roster. He's getting assignments in the G League. Um, that's something. We were banking on it. We were banking on Zaire, you know, being a big part of what they do. And a big part of that bench unit, a 6'9", 6'10", ish, you know versatile athletic wing, we thought this is you know we thought this would be the year he would there were some people saying that when jaron remember when jaron was hurt at the beginning of the season, there were people saying stars that year at the four you remember that yeah like and it's just he just it's just been such a disappointment uh so far in this first half of the season um I don't know where my confidence is with him, but i do have i do feel like that this front office will uh resolve these issues uh I, I know the trade deadline is over, we do know that everything is uh not just about this season with this organization or uh, in this particular team so i'm confident that they will um address some of those issues um but yeah like you said um this that bench has really been so disappointing it seemed like our bench was i mean we had to t- we had the team where it seemed like no matter who was out there jaren was out jaw was out dylan missed time you know whatever always next man up yeah. Team yeah. Team. Dante had a crazy game last year against phoenix i believe. These yep. guys are always next man up. Next man up just ain't been next man up in like last year. Um but yeah. <laughs> but um yeah man, that's de- I definitely agree with you that the bitch um, has been a disappointment. Uh, hopefully, first uh-huh. half
0: hopefully, you know, you get to the All-Star break after this game against Utah on Wednesday, you get a chance to to get everybody settled in. obviously Jaron and Job ja be there but uh you get a chance to get Steven back. Get the foundation back, and then maybe everything sort of settled down around that. I know that original timeline was three to five weeks, you know, around that All Star break. It's mm-hmm. getting to be getting to be about that time again. Hope for, hopeful, hopeful. Uh, the team had mentioned we're hopefully going to get an update on Stephen Adams this week. We mentioned Grizzlies are three and seven uh, without him. It's been such a key part. Been unlike when, as same mentioned, when Ooh, some of these good. guys have gone down. uh Grizzlies were twenty and five without John Morant last season. They played well this. You know, for the most part, held it down without Jaron to start the year. Uh, even though the defense struggled, they still held it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're hopeful that things sort of level out uh, as we get uh, past the All-Star break. Uh, of course, you're listening to the Grind Season podcast and Odyssey podcast. You can get it on the free Odyssey app. Uh, we post twice per week. Hopefully, you're rocking with us. Hit that subscribe button for us. Uh, you can get it on the free Odyssey app, like I said, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Moving on to our Second segment. Uh Zach Kleiman, GM of the Grizzlies, doesn't speak much, doesn't come out publicly, doesn't do much media, but did on Friday, uh, a day after the Grizzly after the trade deadline, talked about the acquisition of Luke Kennard, Uh also talked about that uh, uh pointed out that the Grizzlies, he said, would not be on the buyout market. There have been some mm-hmm. guys talked about that maybe could come in help the Grizzlies. Saying and I've thrown a few names out there, but uh Kleiman has said. They do not plan to do anything on the buyout. Remember that roster's full right now. They'd have to drop somebody if you did anything on the buyout market. He also talked about uh not shopping Dylan Brooks. I actually asked about saying about that on on my radio show on Friday, and we both sort of laughed in that as if you wouldn't Dylan Brooks wouldn't have been a you wouldn't have gladly given him up to get <laughs> right. Mikhail Bridges or OG yeah. Ananobi, uh, uh those kinds of things. But he also talked uh saying this is what I want to ask you about first, you know, how how aggressive the Grizzlies were. That clearly, and it made it clear that it wasn't just about uh this trade deadline trying to go, you know, find a guy like Luke Kennard. They were aiming higher. We saw Zach Lowe's reporting uh that said the Grizzlies offered three first round picks uh to both what the Nets for McHale and also to the Toronto Raptors for OG Ananobi. Uh the mm-hmm. tra- Raptors wanted a, a young player to go with that. Grizzlies weren't willing to do that. Uh, but clearly <laughs> they were aggressive. And, and you know, here's Zach Kleiman wanted he the guy who d- he does not talk a lot, but it was clear that he wanted fans, the media to know that they had intended to be aggressive at the deadline. You know, there were a lot of fans that thought they didn't do enough. Did you find that? um Did you find that surprising at all? His his tone, how I don't know if, the, if, if defensive seemed almost a little strong, but it was clear he wanted to get his message out there that no, 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 we're not standing pat. We, You know, it, it's not we won't deal picks and we're just hoarding picks. Mm. Uh, we, we would have made a move if, you know, one of these teams would have bit. Did it surprise you to how open he was about the uh, how, their aggressive nature?
1: No, nah, because uh, Climbing Burner was on my Twitter that night probably the day before, seeing me go off all day long. So he was just wow. responding to me. I see you, Jack Climbing. I see you.
0: But nah, I swear. I, I mean, you,
1: you were the one that was going the craziest. If they don't I mean, do I mean, something, I mean, they don't I mean, do something. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was going nuts and the joint. He's got I, notifications. I, or something I'm not gonna, gonna say, yeah, he probably got my, my account on notifications turned on. But no, um, I'm not gonna say I'm shocked, but I'm I'm uh I'm uh optimistic. Like I'm I was excited to hear that, and I don't think he's lying. He's lying about the Dylan Brooks stuff. Like that's bull. Like you. Don't tell me. Don't don't look at me and tell me you were willing to trade three to four first round draft picks, but you weren't willing to trade Dylan Brooks for guys that all would be would be up, upgrades of Dylan Brooks. You were going to replace Dylan Brooks in the starting lineup with one of these guys you were trying to acquire, whether it be a Kevin Durant, uh, whether it be uh Mikael Bridges, or maybe OG Ananobi. Like all three of those guys would have put Dylan on the bench. And don't tell me you were going to try to deal with the chemistry issue. you trying to put Dylan on the bench, like you. You guys have not that's last year when Dylan Brooks was gone forever, and Zion Williams was playing good basketball. You were winning, you were like one of the better teams in the NBA. You still brought Dylan back, and you didn't even visit Dylan coming off the bench then. Don't tell me you you were just like you, you thought it weren't gonna be any, any chemistry issues trying to bring Dylan off the bench. So um, but I was I was ecstatic, and it made me think this summer you're gonna revisit. Yeah. The Grid is trying to acquire OG Ananobi. When Toronto realizes okay, this is his final season. If he don't get moved, he's gonna just leave at the end this summer. He's not gonna take that player option. He's gonna get up out of here. Um you and and Brooklyn realizes hey, Mikhail Bridges is a good player, but he's only a good player when he's got other guys around him. That's what the real Mikhail Bridges is when he's an ultimate role player. He can't be an ultimate role player here. All right, Memphis, what you want to do? You know, those kind of deals will be revisited again this summer. Uh, when Brooklyn realizes that, you know, the, the cast of characters they have now, they can't compete that way and don't have to, you know, just go ahead and move some of those assets to rebuild. Um, I'm ecstatic about this, especially the Kevin Durant, when you start hearing reports about the grid, the, all these deals we're talking about, these came from other reports, but there reports that came out and said the Grizzlies offered for KD, offered for Bridges, offered for Ananobi. Those things are, I'm, I'm enthused by those things. Those things all make me feel confident in this front office and I believe, like we said, that their plan was to uh, get an upgraded wing, uh, whether it be Anthony Bridges or in the fantasy world, Kevin Durant, and also to shore up the shooting of the bitch by getting one of the better shooters in the league and and uh, uh, Luke and Luke Kennard. So um, they they achieved one of the two. They achieved the, they achieved the lesser of the two. Let's hope we can you know make the most of that. But it does. Um, create an interesting summer to see how active the Grizzlies is gonna be and what will happen with Dylan Brooks, who, like we said, is on the expiring deal. He's a uh unrestricted free agent. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting summer for the Grizzlies no matter what. Because it's a standing pat is kind of almost impossible. You gotta do something. Even if you go out there and you sign Dylan Brooks, that's a that's a major move you're making this summer. So we'll uh,
0: see. Let me let me ask you this saying don't you think uh, now I was thinking it through as you were talking about it and especially as it pertains to OG don't you think the price on him would come down significantly this summer? Because like you talked about, unlike Bridges, who will have, I think, three more years left on his deal after right, this year. Right. Durant, three more years. You mentioned it. OG's got the one more and then the player option. And, and so you get to a point where, hey, if we don't like you said, if we don't do anything with him, he walks. Whereas, you know, this year. You know, that market had gone up. All the reports mm-hmm. were out there. You were hoping to get three picks and a player for this man, and 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 in that in that case, you would have had him for what, half a season next year. Now, now you're not talking about the end of this season. If if you're a team mm-hmm. like the group that he could have benefited from, him. so you would think like the price on OG in particular would go mm-hmm. down substantially in the offseason compared to what you might have been what it were you were reportedly willing to right. pay for him now in terms of picks and everything else so maybe maybe if it ended up OG although you and I I think we're both on the same page we like mm-hmm. bridges better if it's a priority even though Dur- obviously Durant too but mm-hmm. um maybe it's a deal where the price would come down significantly for OG in the offseason you come out with a better mm-hmm.
1: deal right than
0: you would have done during the season when you were when you were trying to get him uh just now and when you were desperate yeah. to get
1: him. and yeah. I totally agree with you I think that OG Anobi will be part number one this offseason because I think he'll be easy pickings of the grizzlies really want him and mm-hmm. i think that this is the place that he probably would want to be um for several reasons um i'm gonna tell you how i think the trade situation went i think the Grizz- grizzlies always knew that i could i can flip danny green into something oh, yeah. i think there might have been several bench shooters they might have been interested in um i think that they got luke Kennard knowing that knowing they had that in their back pocket i can trade danny green for him i think they went I think their initial intention with Toronto was Dylan Brooks for Toronto, for um, Dylan Brooks for um, OG. And I think Toronto came back and was like, no, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., someone like that, which the Grizzlies probably laughed at. It was like, all right, man, y'all being goofy at this point. And then they probably did some type of Zaire, some type of, you know, something in that range. And then they came back with probably Santi. And the Grizzlies, all right, man, look, Chris, going around. We'll catch y'all this offseason. You know what I mean? I think this I think this is the gist of what probably happened. I think that um, that they probably wanted maybe, you know, Santi and Zaire maybe or something like that to try to um, – I could see them probably asking that for that for the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies, all right, man. No, we'll, we'll, we'll catch y'all this summer. But uh, I do think that we will see uh, the Grizzlies and Toronto talk again when mm-hmm. it comes down So It just It just makes too much sense, man. All yeah. the – all the, all the fingers are pointing at it. We know the Grizzlies are willing to move multiple picks for him. Um, I can see very well, see a Dylan Brooks signing trade. I was going to say, you can sign yeah. and
0: trade Dylan at that point, yeah. right? In, in, in and Toronto be, gets the actual value back there.
1: It'll probably be a um, a 30-year, like a two-year $30 million. Because what OG makes 15, right? They'll probably match the salaries perfect. They'll probably sign Dylan for a two-year $30 million multiple first, and they'll do something like that. That's that's my you know prediction. That's how I think that ends up going down.
0: How much better is this team if or or you know worse? I guess I yeah. should throw that out there. If coming back next year with those as the four, OG is the fourth instead of Dylan Brooks. How much um, different? How much different does it is it?
1: I'm an OG fan. I think that how can I describe this? Because I know people who are listening are probably gonna totally disagree. I think OG Ananobi is a better defender than Dylan Brooks. Because all of OG's defense is just technical. I'm a defender. I'm going to try my best to lock you up. So much of what Dylan does is just psychological bullshit. <laughs> like, like, fucking with you, talking shit to you, bumping into you. When I watched that video of him uh, when they played against Utah, mm-hmm. now, shout out to Dylan because he did very well against uh, uh, the um Boston yesterday when he was guarding Tatum. Regardless of how he got it done, he got it done. He guard guarded Tatum very well. Um, what I'm watching this, this clip against Utah though, not Utah, Minnesota. I mean, and uh Mike Conley falls down. Oh, Dylan yeah. comes out of nowhere, <laughs> dies on Mike, punches the ball, tries to punch the ball out of his hand. He's got a smile, he's got like a weird old, weird old smirk on his face. I'm like, Man, there's something wrong with Dylan Brooks, man. And he's and Mike is his friend. Like, he probably looks up to Mike. Is Mike was his. Dylan probably was was Mike's rookie when he came here. He probably hazed. I've heard there's a lot of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde with Mike Conley too. Like that, he's like this super nice guy on the outside. When it comes down to like behind closed doors, I've heard he's kind of a dickhead for real. That's something really? I've heard about Mike for real. I've heard he's, I heard he's not the nicest dude the rookies at all. Um, I'll I'll talk to I mean, you about that. Like, that out there.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you should have done use some of that with the referees during your career. At least get a couple yeah, more yeah. calls if you're capable of being a. a
1: yeah, but my point I'm making is I think OGs are just a good defender, like without the extra shit that comes with Dylan. And I think that he's a more efficient scorer and shooter that doesn't have to like get his in the flow of an offense like Dylan does. It was driving me crazy yesterday to see Dylan play when Dylan thinks he's Devin Booker out there. I'm like, man, like, <laughs> come on, bro, just be a defender, take shots within the floor of the offense. I don't mind you missing wide open threes like the little fadeaways and the post-up shots and all that. I'm like, even when you make those, Dylan, I'm like, man. Mm-hmm. And, like, we talk about let's get Dylan going. Like, what is look, what is getting Dylan going actually look like? Because Dylan, when he's not – when he's, like, like warming up or whatever, we rarely see that version of him. It seems like we haven't seen him have a game where he just goes off offensively. I remember he did it against Charlotte, and he had one not too long ago. But there's so far and few between. It's like, bro, what are we getting you warmed up for? You know what I mean? So uh, I, I would – I think OG would be a much – Less volatile player than Dylan. Yeah. Uh, far less controversial, just a more efficient player altogether, more athletic player. Uh, OG's got the measurables better than Dylan as well. Um, but I don't want people to think I'm just dogging out Dylan. Cause I mean he's you know, he's our guy. He's a homegrown guy. He was drafted here. Um definitely helps with the chemistry here. But I'm not believing that this team's gonna fall apart or that the chemistry is even gonna fall apart because you replaced uh, Dylan with a guy like OG. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a
0: tip of the cap to the player that OG is just talking about. It's an upgrade, and Dylan Brooks would understand if you were going after Kevin Durant and would understand, listen, that guy's better than me. And in this case, there are so many things that OG does better than him that, you you know, a lot of reasons to believe it would be a better fit. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm with you saying I'd be excited to see the Grizzlies pursue him and maybe at a much lower price uh, smartly this offseason. Uh, than what they were going to have to pay at the treadlock. You know.
1: Shout out to Zach Kleinman, man, for echoing my sentiment. Fuck them draft picks, man. He told y'all, man, I, I, we ain't gonna hoard these picks because it's it's basic logic, man. If, you, if you're a super good, solid team, you're going to be picking at the bottom of the draft for the next five, six, seven years anyway. You're going to be picking 25 through 30. If Those picks really don't have much value at all. And they, they said the Grizzlies were like, for Brooklyn, they was like, man, take all these sons, you know what I mean, <laughs> in the KD deal or whatever. Yeah. But um, I'm encouraged by that, man. I'm encouraged that these guys are like, look, we've identified our three guys. We got, we got Ja, Jaron, Bain. Those are our three guys. We're gonna build around those dudes, and and let's go get, let's go get that fourth piece, who's that real super dynamic wing who we we want Dylan to be. But you know, Dylan doesn't really want to play that role. And I think if you can get that guy, especially someone like Ananobi, or someone like a, a Mikael Bridges, who I, who I think his asking price might still be crazy. No uh, doubt, come as well. That
0: contract's too good. Yeah, too yeah,
1: good. exactly. Because we we've seen what Brooklyn does with leverage. You know, KD, the reports came out about him wanting to uh, get traded. Brooklyn had to leverage. They still had it this time. They really didn't have to trade Kevin Durant because he was under contract for a long time. There was just yeah. right, I screw this whole thing. Let's just blow it up at this point. And and KD was uh, KD went about things the right way with them. So I think they cooperated with him as far as that goes. But uh, yeah, man, it's, it's gonna be a very Super interesting summer. I'm excited by Zach Climent's Zach comments because I think that even, you know, regardless of what happens this year, I think they're trying to make moves for the future. And like I said, man, when people thought I was going to be, I was angry about us making a trade, us, you know, how active, a little active we were. I was excited. I just said you can't do anything. You can't just – doing nothing is not an option. There's definitely some holes on that bench. And you went and got, you know, a great bench shooter, one of the better bench shooters in the, uh, in the entire league. And uh and Lou Kennard, aka Nasty Nardo. Shout out to my boy Ed Grig Grind on Twitter for what I think is the dopest nickname I've seen come through here in a while. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Last, but yeah.
0: and I like that nickname. Last thing on climbing real fast before we mm-hmm. we uh, and, uh, uh before we get on to the season. Right yeah. Because um, I like it too. I like the aggressiveness. If he's irritated by a narrative or whether it's fans or media or speculation mm-hmm. that Maybe they just love first rounders. and love hold. If he's irritated by that, and and you sense that by sort of the defensive nature of the press come, then I would suggest he come out and talk more. Talk like well. there, there is a way to avoid, uh, uh, you know, the 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 crazy, the the rampant speculation, whether it's. Grizzlies media or fans or whatever that's always out there and all it is is by being a little bit more transparent nobody's saying Zach Klein has got to come out and do weekly radio hits like Chris Wallace used to do or even be a, a visible part of the community but if you're irritated by fans putting you in a box and thinking one thing of you to the point you want to say no 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 that's not me bro come out and talk more. Come mm-hmm. out and talk more to your fans. It, again, use the media to talk to them, and then there will be less speculation and less room to get you know so defensive about things. Right, folks, to know what you're doing and your approach, or to know more about you and how you're doing, bro. Tell mm-hmm. us. Come out and tell us.
1: Or and, again, if, like- and if you're gonna unplug, like for real, unplug. Don't unplug with with burner accounts because you obviously have account- accounts where you're looking on Twitter and you see what's going on. Like this. This is all a result of you just being connected, but not yeah. really being connected. It was right. like, yeah. you
0: all are going to think if I did this, you <laughs> all are
1: going to you know How did you know that? How did you know that, You know what I mean? So, uh-huh. you,
0: you, you're you right. paying attention to something that yeah, somebody's paying payin at that matters to you. So my whole point is like, you can control that even more by, by coming out and talking. And like you said, he was good. We liked what he said. We liked that he said he was aggressive. You can help yourself doing that. Nobody's saying come out every week, man. But you can certainly do it a yeah. lot more than you have.
1: Because he, he created like I told people all the time, people are like, "Oh, they're not going to do anything." I'm like, "Man, you can't, you can't just take someone's reputation 100 and figure that's what they're always going to do." Because all but, those things are relative. Because in their defense,
0: we're left to speculate so much. Yeah, that's, yeah.
1: that's all we know. Yeah, because they you know he rarely they they
0: rarely speak over there. Mm-hmm. They rarely know you know, they you know when
1: they first started when they first got together the year that they you know Jaws rookie year, uh, Coach Jenkins rookie year. They were kind of like, okay, they wouldn't got a Tyus Jones, an older point guard, to help John ja Morant, you know, just in case he was a, you know, whatever he was going to be. You wouldn't got like a Jay Crowder. Uh, who was the other guy that got? Uh, sorry, ass dude. Solomon Hill.
0: You wouldn't oh, got a, right.
1: uh, what was the big man they had? It was like a uh, a, Gorgie.
0: uh Gorgie Dang. Like
1: Gorgie Ging. And they wouldn't got, what's the name, too? Um, the big that was like a, a Walmart version of, of Jaron. Like what Jaron's gonna be in ten years, probably. Oh man, Anthony Tolliver,
0: Tolliver, all those
1: vets on the team at one time, and mm-hmm. they ch- they changed their course. They said, "All right, screw this. We're just gonna go homegrown. Our old our players are gonna be more vet ish. The older they get, you know what I mean." So they just totally flipped the course. So we we don't really know what they're gonna be because they've made we've seen these guys transition and and kind of go through a metamorphosis over time. So we don't really know what their vision is. And it's good to see that they, like I said, sure it up, shoring sure up some of that shooting off the bench. Yeah. You know they're probably going to be super aggressive this summer. I'm not I'm I'm not a catch up with everyone else thing. Like I am not the I'm not the guy who's going to say, "Well, they want to got KD's. So you got to go get Paul George." Or, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm not that guy at all. So so I do I think we I do think we're operating on a kind of unique timeline. So um I'm Kudos to Zach climbing I'm pleased. I was talking plenty of shit on Twitter just in case you didn't do anything. You made a nice move to me. Plus, it showed you you're trying to make other moves. You're willing to move those first round draft picks, which I'm also excited about. And there are teams who know that. If anything, you left a smoke signal. And there are teams who know the Grizzlies yeah. got them picks. They're willing to move. I'm gonna call you about this particular player instead of waiting on you to call us. So yeah, yeah. those things I'm I'm definitely positive about for sure. Yeah,
0: I co signed that. Uh, there with you saying. Of course, you're listening to Grind Season podcast. It's an Odyssey podcast. You can listen to us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, including on Spotify. Uh, now, our final segment, the one we do to start off every week, looking back on the weekend that was uh, a little bit of late last week. Who brought the seasoning? It's where we discuss who's looked good and brought that good seasoning. Uh, and also at times who's uh, who's brought the bad seasoning. I will uh, give
1: you the floor, brother, saying who uh, who brought the seasoning for you this week. The person I think that uh brought the seasoning to me is a young man who was excluded from all trade talks. I think I was reading up if you read between the lines, I think you'll know the person that Zach Kleinman was taking off the table. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Um has some night nice, I'm I can not remember the, like I don't even remember the last time we talked, brother, with you, bro. But I, I don't know his stat line, but I know he's looked good. I think he's he's brought the swag, he's brought the seasoning, uh, the swag goo, so to speak. Um I'm talking about Santi Aldamo. He's impressed us the entire season. Um, been super aggressive. The three-point yeah. shot is just getting feathery. Um, he'll dunk on you, he'll make a highlight pass on you, looking like a we we joked about the poor man's palcas Gasol, but man, how far away are we for this dude looking like rookie rookie year palcas Gasol? You know what I mean? Like being serious, man. Um, definitely a young talent. And, and him and Jaron together, uh Coach Jenkins playing those two guys together. We've seen some of the versatility of those two guys that you can play those two guys together against certain teams. Santi is just a phenomenal player, man, and uh, and uh, to the point where uh, I probably was more aggravated by people saying, you know, "But what about Santi?" Whenever you criticize anything with the rookies, you all said the same thing about Santi. That whole thing is driving me crazy. But I'm glad we're able to say that because Santi has been incredible in year two. Uh, down in the G League a lot in his rookie season. I remember uh, hearing uh, John Rosa and, uh, and Eli Savoy, who both do some commentary for the uh, Memphis Hustle, talk about how good, like how legit good Santi was looking with the hustle. And I was hearing him, but I wasn't hearing him. And to, to see, you know, how he, what he turned it into. Santi, since the last time we talked, gets the season for me. I like it.
0: Um, he may be less scared than Powell was in year two. Powell still had a little bit yeah. of fear in terms of contact. Yeah, he he does on
1: KG. But, but yeah, he's, much, he's more physical, yeah. Which ain't really yeah, Col- saying much, but he is. Working,
0: yeah. uh, he had physical, he, uh, Powell had skills. Like he could get you, but he didn't get tough, tough till Kobe got, made him tough. Like it wasn't, there was a, there was a, there was a little fear in there. He, he had some softness in him. That's why, that's why Mark stood out so much. It was like, whoa. You know, from the get go, Mark wanted the mm-hmm. contact. And everything else. We used to say for years, Pow didn't want that contact. Um, but that, that changed eventually. I just think Santi, man, I like, I, like that, that, you know, we've talked about his moves, catching up high in the shot. He's got that sweep through that he does. You know, I yes. a, a like AD that's got it. <laughs> you know, he's drawing some fouls with where he yeah, does he's, that. He's
1: move. definitely confident, man. He think I mean, he got game. I mean, bro.
0: He's got flair, fearless. He's hitting shots from the Flays outside, to
1: the crowd. and yes. and I, I'm gonna
0: lie to you, saying you know you cannot project this on to every Grizzlies player. But it does give me hope, a little bit of hope, if nothing else, for a guy like Zaire, because we, you didn't see none of this from Santi oh, last year. God. I didn't. I didn't. I don't what. Saying I put it this way, what? Maybe it ain't Zaire at all, but maybe it's David Roddy. What I'm saying, yep. like, like uh, all them dudes you drafted, all of them came. taking a
1: crazy leap this summer. I can see. And David I, Roddy I, his team, team, bad I, bad I like David Roddy
0: too. I like his football playing. Uh, uh, uh you know. Br- just the kind of brute he is inside, he don't yeah. care, even under size, like there's something there. But my point is my my rather than saying, Oh, I think there's some might be someone's out here, you just never know. We've seen him with Santi and with this front front office where there there is there there could be more to get. And I and right. I certainly feel that way about Roddy. Uh Laravia. Ar-
1: yeah. What's that? Say No, you go say what you were saying about Laravia.
0: I, was, I haven't seen anything from him. I have no confidence oh, yeah. that he will yeah, ever
1: be. Good yeah, we, will we, ever. Did, we saw Zaire do something. So, you know.
0: Zaire averaged eight points a game against Golden State in the, play the play playoffs last in the play year. Out. In that
1: role, he was fantastic. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. so we, we yeah. have seen and in my, I mean, my uh, mind. I'll just wrap us up, man. It ain't really, it's certainly not good seasoning, but uh I mentioned it earlier. Tyus Jones has been an absolute funk funk. Uh, has not scored in double figures this month, uh, single digits in all six games this month, 5.2 points, uh, 10% from three, 36% from the field. So it's the kind of ties, the worst kind of ties, Jones. And again, for a bench that's really struggling right now, um, whatever it takes. I know sometimes when these guys have had uh, a bad stretch or whatever, we can try to give them smelling salts, anything else. I don't care what season that it is. Some uh, garlic mm-hmm. sriracha, or some Nashville hot, or some uh, suicide. Something need to wake this man up, get him up, get his taste buds back on, get him back right. Oh. He he was so key for the Grizzlies. He's been so key for the Grizzlies the last year and a half. Forever. So yeah. last year just can't. I can, Tyus at this level is not anybody, You know does not help you. So hopefully uh, he comes out of the slump soon. He started the year slow. He was able to get out of it. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to get out of this as well maybe the all-star break thing maybe he can go home during all-star break
1: yeah like i said these guys need the all-star break did he just get away
0: i think so and you talk about coming back i mean yeah i think it's the 22nd toughest schedule or however you want to put that eighth easiest the rest of the way i know it turns up immediately after because you got philly denver the lakers denver clippers lakers golden state two with dallas but after it's gonna you know, compared to the rest of the league, it ain't as bad as, as some of the uh, others. Phoenix got a much tougher road. Sacramento's got a tougher road. So, To your point, if they could just you know go get this break, get healthy, get Stephen Adams back, hopefully it's a nice, successful second half of the season. Uh, that, hopefully, is a nice, successful episode of Grind Season for you. Uh, we'll be back later this week, likely on Thursday. We'll give you that first half wrap-up we want to do heading into the All-Star break and uh, we'll uh, we'll readjourn then. So, for our producer, Drew Barrett, for my man,
1: Anthony Sane, the tribal chief of Grizz Twitter, I'm Jason. Stay on your grind.